Hey, readers and writers. This episode was recorded with Squadcast, a web-based software that records studio-quality episodes from anywhere in the world. Squadcast records at each user's end and then uploads it to the cloud. So even if the call quality wasn't great at the time, the end file is always perfect. So that's a good thing. And it's never lost, which is even better. <laughs> it's a paid service, so there is that. But for me, it's been worth it. If you're in the market for recording software, there's a link in the show notes to get a free trial. Now let's get on with the show. Someone like George Saunders, I think, really cracked open the short story universe for me. Like, oh wow, you can you can be funny, you can be contemporary, you can be silly um, in a way that, as a young person, like I just hadn't seen a lot of that in the short stories that were given to me in school. Um, and then, you know, outside of writing, there's there's an endless list of um, writers who've been pushing boundaries, doing innovative things for you know decades and decades. Hi, Dolan. Welcome to Read and Write. Hey, Deb. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Um, so why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure. Uh, my name's Dolan Morgan. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a writer, an illustrator. I live in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. And that's it for now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we are talking today about putting... I guess making fantastical stories out of mundane ideas or just wrapping a story up in the mundane, um, which you do really well. I've read some of your short stories. Um, I have to admit, I like the short story ones you do versus like the, the illustrations, the comics, just that's what I'm comfortable with. That's what I like. So, but they're really good. Um, and Thanks, you girl. do that. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't give you any room to comment there. Um, <laughs> And I was curious, what comes first for you when you're writing or when you get these ideas? Um, do you come up with the fantastical idea first and then wrap it up in something usual or is it the other way around? Hmm. Uh, that's a good question. Uh, I would say I come at it from a different angles. <laughs> it all okay. depends on the story. Depends on the story. Um, but a pretty common one is just thinking of something that I'm like, that seems like it would be a really difficult thing to make a story about. Uh, okay. So I want to do it. <laughs> um, what's your writing day look like? Like, uh, how do you, do you have a structured writing time? Um, I don't know if you're doing this, if you do this full time, like, I don't know anything about your style. Tell me about it. Hmm. Um, you know, it's been over the years, it's shifted a lot. It's been erratic mm -hmm. at times. Uh, lately for the past couple years, I would say, um, Morning has been the the main place I get a lot of my mm -hmm. routine writing done. So like uh -huh. get up early, have a nice breakfast, write for a solid chunk of time uh, mm -hmm. before I do anything else in the day. And then, you know, as I get a little further into a story, then I feel compelled to be like, oh, now I got to add this piece and maybe I'll be doing right. more in the evening. Mm -hmm. But having that morning dedicated time gets me through the periods of you know, I don't know what to do next. Uh, I'm uncertain. Like you just, I'd sit mm -hmm. down and put that time in every morning. Yeah. Do you, now you say that's your, your routine writing time. Is that the time where you write best or are you write best at night? Like, do you, do you find that you have that cycle that one time works just really well creatively for you versus the other? I do think the morning is more reliable 
um, uh-huh. for me. I don't know if it's necessarily, you know, it'd be interesting to go back and, and do a little chart of like, these are the things <laughs> that I think of my best writing and when did they right? occur? Mm-hmm. Um, but I I do think there's like a an unfilteredness that happens in the morning. Mm-hmm. And like my day has not been diluted by other responsibilities yet. It's mm-hmm. you know, kind of half out of a dream. I feel my mind feels like really pure <laughs> in the morning. Mm-hmm. And um, it's like, I'm able to just kind of pump stuff out in a way that um, it might be more mitigated by other things at other parts of the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause I, I notice when I, I do a lot of talking to writers on the podcast and it always just seems like, people are either fall into two categories. They are an early morning writer or they're late at night writer. Like there seems like there's no in between. Like nobody's like, yes, I write best from two to three in the afternoon. Nobody does that. <laughs> yeah. I used to be a nighttime person. And then at some point it stopped working. And I think mm-hmm. I, I stagnated for like a couple of years being like, no, I'm a night person. But then like, it just wasn't producing. <laughs> right. Until I finally was like, maybe I'm wrong about myself. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's something different. <laughs> I feel like I went through a similar journey, like, like the early part of my life, like, like college, just out of college area that I was like, yes, I do a lot of writing at night. And at some point you just get old (laughs) (laughs) your brain doesn't work that well after, I don't know, X PM. So then I had to switch it up. And then, you know, in my life, it's crazy. I've got kids and everything. So like, I have to get everything done while the house is quiet and Mm -hmm. no one's there. So that's important. So it turned out to be mornings. Um, so do you, have you always written short stories? Like what, what compels you to write? Like, is it a compulsion? Like you just need to get these stories out or do you have an end goal? Like something you're working towards? Hmm. Uh, so yeah, short story has pretty much always been the form that I'm Mm -hmm. most drawn to, you know, don't have any, you know, I've tried at a novel and I just go, that's not Mm -hmm. for me. I feel much more at home with a short story. And then. I don't know exactly what drives me. It's always been a part of my life since I was young. I mm-hmm. I do think it's like one of the primary ways I process my experience of the world. Like I have emotional reactions to what's happening in my life and to the mm-hmm. people around me. And there's elements of it that I find difficult to describe just by like talking to someone or thinking to myself that right. um, can really only be expressed, at least for me, through an elaborate set of constraints and circumstances (laughs) that like point to what I'm feeling. Um, And so Uh I think that's often what I'm doing. I'm trying to build these like elaborate structures that like give a glimmer into what's going on in my Mm -hmm. interior world. Um, And they're all incomplete and, you know, kind of fail to do it and I have to do it over and over again. Um, Right. But I think that's one of the main driving forces, that there's something inside of me that I don't necessarily see reflected in the world out there. And I feel um, hard pressed to communicate in the normal ways. Um, and so this medium helps me do that. <laughs> I don't I don't think you're alone there. I think a lot of writers feel like this. <laughs> um, so what, how, you said you've been writing since a kid. What was your early work like? What did you write as a kid? Oh man, I used to have my grandmother uh, was my typist. Also, you had a typist. Um, she had this great old typewriter, and uh, I spent a lot of time at her house. And mm-hmm. uh, one of our main activities was I would kind of like narrate 
these short stories because I was trying to write a book. They were all about, at the time, I believe the topic was pizza munching aliens. They were aliens who come from <laughs> our space to steal our pizza. Um, uh -huh. um, young, uh, young boy uh, who had to, you know, solve a mystery, fend them off. Um, and going back to look at them years later, I realized that I was, even without knowing it, like processing quite a few of the things that were going on in my life. Like uh -huh. you know, my parents got divorced when I was very young. And one mm -hmm. of the main features of the pizza munching aliens uh, narrative, I believe, is like a, a young boy and his estranged father, like going on these adventures to solve things together. Mm -hmm. And like at the time, I didn't wasn't really thinking about it. But my mom was like, no, we're like, mm, it's not a coincidence that <laughs> the details. Do you still have these uh, grandma typewritten stories somewhere? I don't. They might be at my parents' house somewhere. Um, I know we unearthed them like probably 15 years after they'd mm -hmm. been written, and, but I haven't seen them in quite a while. <laughs> I think that's awesome that you were writing that young. Um, what what work is like ins has inspired you like going forward as an adult? Like what what's influenced you in your writing? Mm. Um, I mean, definitely finding writers who were doing adventurous things that made me go mm -hmm. oh you could do anything with fiction when i was very young right. someone like george saunders i think really cracked open the short story universe mm -hmm. for me like oh wow you can you can be funny you can be contemporary you can be silly um in a way that as a young person like i just hadn't seen a lot of that in the mm -hmm. short stories that were given to me in school um and then you know outside of writing there's there's an endless list of um writers who've been pushing boundaries doing right. innovative things for you know decades and decades all those folks are inspiring me continue to inspire me and folks who do it today too uh, but also i think i'm just mostly inspired by um other forms of writing uh like spam emails um like business writing self-help writing mm -hmm. like i'm just fascinated by the um the hyper niche language that gets produced in those spaces. Right. I love the idea of like repurposing those chunks of language and infusing it with like elements of emotion that they might not normally have been saddled with in their normal days. So, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. like a book of coupons doesn't normally have um, an element of somebody processing, I don't know, some depression that they're going right. through. Right. Like, using that language as a vehicle for that uh, feels exciting and inspiring to me. And so I'm, I think I'm inspired often by, um, I don't know, language for other purposes. Okay. Uh, I think I, I understand, I think where you're going with that. Like sometimes you just, you, I don't know, it's kind of like when you look at something so long and it kind of loses its meaning. So you attach new meaning to it. That's mm -hmm. what it reminds me of. Yeah, definitely. Um, now, since you write mainly in short form, do you consider your body of work like connected in any way or are they all just standalones? Oh, I mean, I, not connected in the way that like Stephen King has, you know, the monsters across different uh, right. you know, <laughs> books or whatever. I think there are some just innate thematic things that I can't ignore uh, that mm -hmm. persist across uh, things that I'm working on and that just ideas that preoccupy me. Um, but I'm not like intentionally setting out to create like a linked set of stories. Um, you know, I recently finished uh, and had a, a new story come out that felt like a 
sister story to one that came out a couple of years ago. It's totally mm-hmm. accidental, but it's just more evidence that there are themes like imagery, um, mm-hmm. situations, constraints that I'm I'm drawn to and kind of you know can reshake um, to make new work. Uh, but there's no like uh, the characters don't repeat. I guess is maybe the simplest <laughs> way to put it. <laughs> no, it answers the question. Yeah. Um, you, so you do. You said that sister story. How long does it take you to complete like your average piece of work? I don't want to say short story because you don't write co- completely in short stories. But yeah, I mean, it, there's a big range. You know, there are some mm-hmm. stories, and it depends on where you put the starting point. Um, like that one story I was just mentioning, I wrote it. I would say pretty quickly, maybe over the course of a month, um, mm-hmm. from you know initial gestation on the page to, you know, final line and some revisions. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the concept for that story had been bouncing around in my head for years. Um, and I just- had Those are always the best ones, I feel like. Yeah, exactly. I was really excited when it finally, I felt like found the rhythm that was gonna make the core idea function. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you put the starting point and at the initial conception of the idea, like, you know, it was probably like, six or seven years but the actual like when i felt like i could write it um mm-hmm. about a month i think oh that's not too bad um now i'm coming at it from the opposite well i'm coming from a long form perspective and you've got so much time that goes into things but i'm also thinking um with a short story how much third party editing goes on or how much third party like beta reading etc goes into the that process i have no idea Oh yeah, I mean, I have a and I have a group of uh, writer friends and colleagues who I mm-hmm. regularly share work with, and mm-hmm. I would say having that be a part of my life has been one of the most important aspects of my writing process. Just being in regular connection with not just for them to see my work, but for me right. to see their work, experience and, theirs, and and be in dialogue with other writers about like what's working, what's not working. Mm-hmm. why we like this decision how we might do it differently like having uh just constantly being immersed in those conversations like i carry with me into those morning writing sessions and so mm-hmm. even when it's not my work that's getting attention it's super helpful and i really have relied on um having i guess like community like that um yeah i would say not every story i don't send every story i write to um that group of folks um but there's usually at least one or two other folks who see my work and give me some initial thoughts before I start, you know, submitting it to um, magazines and journals. Okay. Um, you've put together two books. Um, do you plan on doing more collections like that? Yeah, I'm just about done with the the newest one. I, you know, I'm at the point with it that I could probably send it out, but um trying to make sure that I really think I should send it out. Right. Uh, you know, there's a couple stories in it where I'm like, is that the, do I want to go to bat with that? Uh, <laughs> you know, it's a little on the fence. Um, and so I'm, you know, trying to make sure that the the balance uh, feels right for a full collection. Um, but I think pretty shortly I'll be uh, sending it out to folks, which I'm really excited about. I, I think, I think it has my best work. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> the most recent work, I don't know. 
I don't know. That's always subjective. I don't know if you're anything like me, but something I think I'm like, wow, this is really good. And then you put it in the drawer and you go back to it. Like, I don't know, six months later, you're like, oh my God, this is crap. What was I think? Oh yeah. Constantly. (laughs) (laughs) So that's why there's a couple in there that I'm like, I kind of make sure that that's not what's going on. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You pumped up your own ego accidentally. Um, What's the process with that? Uh, Just off the top, like, you you submit stories to magazines, et cetera. Do you also then include those in the book or are they you just consider those published standalones? Oh no, those 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 will end up in the book. Um I yeah, all the ones that are in the um collection at the moment have been published. One of them hasn't come out yet. Uh but okay. it picked up recently. So yeah, I actually I, I think I would feel weird putting in one that hadn't been vetted by somebody from, else. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Um, like all of these stories have been, you know, somebody who I don't know out in the world was like, mm-hmm. I like this. I want to get behind it. I want to be a part of it coming into the world. Um, and putting a collection of those together feels nice. Like, um, you know, if I share that with a editor, you know, it comes with the least tacit endorsement of a whole crowd of people. <laughs> so right. I think that's nice. <laughs> somebody else liked this well enough yeah. that you feel <laughs> able to put it in a complete body of work. Um, do, do, are your books um i know a lot of short story authors they they put them in by themes or is that do you do your books carry a theme at all or are you just putting that stories together that you like and think go together um i mean they are loosely themed <laughs> i'm not like it's mm-hmm. a book about x well adults. yeah i'm yeah, coming uh, from i'm just getting off of a kick of reading a lot of um charles delint he does mm. so many short stories and he just compresses them all into volumes that all have like a thematic thing. Like, so I don't know. That's, I guess, where I'm, the question's coming from. Yeah. I mean, my first collection, I think, definitely had a theme of um, like negation and nothingness, like mm-hmm. exploring those two ideas. Um, and then the second one, which is more like a B side, so the first one, really. Um, is more interested in like trash and um um i don't know discarded things um Mm -hmm. a lot of the pieces are like made out of things that someone might discard Mm -hmm. um and the newest one a lot of it has to do with maybe two things um one of them is like doubling like uh, there being pairs of things and then um shame i think is one of Mm -hmm. the main ideas running through a lot of the stories okay do you have a favorite piece of work that you're that you've worked on or are working on? It's a good question. Um, like, is one like the baby that you you like the best? Yeah, the the most recent story that came out is one that felt like really close to my heart. Um, felt very um, like a representative of what I've been trying to work on. Um, mm-hmm. What was that? It's called. Um, it's a really poor choice in titles to um, the life changing magic of tidying up, which okay. in SEO is I'm always going to you're not going to find this short story first. Uh, but <laughs> um, yeah, that that's the way, you know, felt um, like important to me personally, like it was pushing my craft along in a way that I just trying some things that I hadn't tried before. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so I felt I felt I felt good about that one. Good. It's always nice when you feel good about your own stuff, aside from the whole ego boosting up of your own work. 
that's that's yeah. usually bad. <laughs> um, so let's talk about just the the building of the the story. Um, just what what's your what's the building blocks like? What's the process you go through? Um, I think I often start with just kind of an initial either like starting image or mm -hmm. a place I I'm hoping to arrive at and that I feel okay. like I need to set the groundwork for that situation or image to occur. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the other component is that I have to feel that the, the premise or the constraints uh, of the writing afford me an opportunity to engage with something more emotional, uh, something mm -hmm. um, that I'm grappling with about what it means to be alive or to get along with other people, um, mm -hmm. that the, the, the premise, the conflict, the you know, gimmick of the story is going to afford uh, some space that allows the language to play with that. Um, right. So that I feel like I'm not just, I don't know, writing something goofy, but that I'm mm -hmm. um, giving myself an inroad to, you know, process how I feel about something. Mm -hmm. um, and then <clears throat> mechanically, I think it, it happens paragraph by paragraph essentially uh like i, <laughs> I write one paragraph and then right. look at it and go do i like this does this paragraph work and really my next step is like okay i'm gonna i'm gonna try to write the next one um <laughs> I know some folks do it sentence by sentence i'm much more uh -huh. at the, like paragraph chunk level than at the sentence level i can get to mm -hmm. i i know some people it really works to do it at the sentence level for me i i know work that i try to do that way where i'm like really combing it sentence by sentence as i go i end up with my language becomes too ornate or like too wrapped mm -hmm. into itself um when i right. function at the paragraph level um i find a healthier balance of um mm -hmm. some of the language work and the like i don't actually moving the plot along work <laughs> right speaking of plot how much plotting are you doing in these um and or how much of a plotter i guess are you like how much do you lay out before you actually start writing very little um it's usually at the most like that kind of image i'm shooting for you know i mm -hmm. want to get to right. this situation so you want to end so, on this point so you know how to get to it yeah so then i might be like okay i think xyz needs to occur um in order for that mm -hmm. to feel justified for that to feel rewarding right. and i'll set out with some of those beats in mind but they usually end up going by the wayside um, <laughs> yes they usually the, do the real approach i take is maybe like mm, trying to think of things that will that surprised me. So I, I like mm -hmm. not knowing um, exactly where it's headed because then it feels less surprising to me while I'm writing it as, a, as I hope that it might feel mm -hmm. to someone reading it. Um, and I try to follow that sense of excitement when I go, like, oh, it'd be crazy if this happened next. Okay, let me try that. Right. Um, so you're, you're, so I'm kind of imagining you like just writing the story as it unfolds. Do you ever then go back and weave through like different narrative structures? narratives into it to make it all like tie together and make sure the punch at the end is I don't know, relevant. Yeah, definitely. Like I might, uh, as I'm getting to in the last third of a story, which mm -hmm. I find, I find the first third and the last third, the easiest to write in a story. It does the, the, the middle, middle part. I'm, I'm the same way. The middle's kind of suck for me. Um, and once I start to see things like popping in that last third, just like you described, I'll be like, Oh, 
I really, this makes so much sense to me as an ending, but in order for it to work, I need the person to have been a little worried about this or like I needed mm -hmm. the environment to be like seeding the possibility here. And so I'll go back and work those into the paragraphs. I try to be very, um, I don't know, like trimming the bonsai tree about it. Like I, if I mm -hmm. have to do like really elaborate things then I'm going to question that decision, but right. um, yeah, slipping in um, a couple of things along the way in order to make the ending work or some portion of the last third work pretty mm -hmm. common revision process for me yeah i noticed also a lot of, in a lot of your well in a lot of the short stories that i have read um because clearly i haven't read the entire body of your work um you 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 like the, like the veiled ending like the open ending a little bit and i think that's really powerful but then i did notice like i don't know i never expected that to co coming the way it did like i always expect i, I don't know if it's just me, but I always expect a concrete end. Kind of, maybe it's coming from like the novelist point part of me, but and then not having that, which just makes it go like, whoa. And now I feel like I need to pick your brain about something. Like, how did you expect that to end? <laughs> uh, welcome questions about that. Any one of them. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there's two things that I enjoy as a reader. One is a sense of like, wait, which one was it? when mm -hmm. I finished the story and like being able to debate with my friends, like, no, it was definitely that. And they're like, no, it was definitely that. Right. I love that feeling of duality, not just for the conversation, but that's often how I experience the world, just not knowing mm -hmm. which thing is right. <laughs> so right. You know, um, that feels, that feels true to me. Um, and then the other thing I'm always trying to shoot for, and this I'm really hit or miss on, like it's easy to leave things open-ended, uh, mm -hmm. but the sense of like surprising inevitability like mm -hmm. you didn't see the ending coming, but then when you get to it, you're like, well, now that I think about it, it makes a lot of sense <laughs> that that's mm -hmm. where it ends up. Right. So that's something I'm like, I don't know, that's the, that's the dream. Uh, sometimes I get it. <laughs> Other times it ends up being like, <laughs> like, you really took me out on left field here and I mm -hmm. don't really know why. <laughs> no, I, I enjoyed all of what I read. I didn't feel like I was left out in left field for any of them, but some of them was like, I'm thinking of example, um, the one about the cancer, the uh, the new um, the new middle class. Um, I did not expect it to end the way it ended. It almost twisted back on itself and made me think that she missed Michael so much that she wasn't going to kill him. She just needed to be, imagine him under the I don't know pile of blankets slash bags. Yeah, I mean, I really wanted to capture that. Um, I guess like space between um wanting something and not wanting something mm -hmm. and you know there's like some stuff about life and death um intermingling mm -hmm. in that story um and so i really wanted to work with things that feel like they're the opposite um mm -hmm. kind of becoming the same um and leaving the reader with a feeling of like wait i don't know i could read this literally like totally polar ways mm -hmm. uh, because you know, a lot of people are like, she definitely killed him, or a lot of people are like, she definitely didn't. Um, and I don't have an answer to that question. <laughs> <laughs> um, or like, uh, like the 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 cruise one that um you put up recently. Um, like he was questioning which brother he was himself at the end, and I liked that. I was curious, was that a later edition? Like, is that a, th a, a storyline that you threaded through, or was that one of the original ones that you started with? Oh yeah, um, I would say the connection to the the Edgar Allan Poe story about a mm -hmm. maelstrom 
um, definitely came late in the game and was one of the things that like made it possible for me to conceive of how to write that story. That's an example of a mm-hmm. story that I've been, it's been banging around in my head for a long time. A mm-hmm. ship that thinks on, <clears throat> on purpose, uh, like for vacation. And I was like, but what is the point of that story? Like why, <laughs> it's a fun <laughs> premise, but you know, what is a character going through that is gonna matter? Um, uh-huh. I forget what book I was reading um, where it came up, but they summarized that Edgar Allan Poe story. I was like, oh yeah, and that story and highlighted the, thing about the two brothers, one of them hanging mm-hmm. on, one of them. And I was like, okay, I think there's something personal enough in there that's mineable to like um, serve as a through line throughout the story. Right. Um, and so then I just kind of went at it going like, I think something's going to come out of it. And I didn't really have a too clear of a plan of how I thought mm-hmm. it would work. But um, that was the piece that allowed me to actually sit down and write the story. No, oh, that's awesome because it definitely, um, from the reader's standpoint, that it definitely did like it just it wove in and out in a really good way. That and the tooth, I really wish you brought up more toothbrush towards the end. Like you found the <laughs> toothbrush you was looking for in the gift shop or something. Like I was waiting for that and then it didn't happen. I was like, oh man, I wanted him to find a toothbrush. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. <laughs> Would have been nice for him to get his teeth cleaned by the end. <laughs> or at least like i don't know um laying on the floor oh there's the toothbrush he was going to buy right there that's nice that's nice <laughs> <laughs> no that's just me like um i latched onto that i thought that was i don't know i was i was trying to come up with ideas of what we were going to talk about today and i read that that piece about the toothbrush and for some reason it just hit me like that's really good you're taking this element of the boat that sinks on purpose um and then you're just like the guy needs a damn proof toothbrush that's all he wants and the the toothbrush thing is uh an example of something that i do often in my work which Mm -hmm. is like i don't know i want i don't really want to write about a a conflict you know that that animates the story but you like kind of have to have them um so you don't have to but it can make some um of the writing easier so i often try to just come up with like fake ones you know uh (laughs) Right. Guy needs his toothbrush. Like that's going to animate some action. Story is totally about other things. I think other problems that he's going through are more mm-hmm. important. But he's but, fo- he's focusing on the toothbrush like a normal person would. Yeah, and so it like gets him from one room to the next essentially. Mm-hmm. So I'm always looking for things like that in the story. Like they're kind of arbitrary problems that a person might face, and you know it gets them from one room to the next. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, I was thinking, um, it it kind of. I can kind of see that the thread that goes with that and also the one um uh the slow 911 um 911 one um like there's there's different threads like that game that they start with in the beginning of that short story and then the questions in that keep popping back up as he's thinking things in his mind afterwards um but then it kind of spins on its head with that device at the end um I was curious, was that device something that you came up with in the beginning, or is that something that you threaded through later? Like, how did that story come about? <laughs> That's a good <laughs> question. I mean, that story was produced um, within the first six weeks of like the lockdown of the pandemic. So it's okay. very, it's very informed by that. Okay, uh, so there's a little bit of crazy in it. Yeah. You know, trying to process what was going on, you know. Right. Uh, and 
but then again trying to ground it in like what am what about my own reaction to the world around me um is like servicing things that i have to process as a person um mm -hmm. and so this idea of like time passing um mm -hmm. and the world changing dramatically um pushed me to thinking about like you know like different phases of my own life the different phases that a character can um be remembering and so this idea of like ch trying to think back on childhood friends that they haven't seen right. in a while how their lives have changed since then um became i guess the backdrop that i wanted to throw underneath dealing with a big emergency mm -hmm. um and so that's how it ended up that the culmination would be about um a device <laughs> that he brought <laughs> over with one of those friends that he hadn't seen mm -hmm. in a while because um, it served as like an object that i think mm, could hold some of the gravity of um those two people's relationship incidentally that that part of it is a real story i really did um steal that object from yeah oh, really five <laughs> over in the car with my friend yeah what does it measure or have I you have, never figured that out i have no idea i have no idea <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious um did you feel like you got a lot done during the pandemic i feel like a lot of people who aren't in the profession of doing like that intellectual solo work felt like they got nothing done and sometimes i feel like it's the opposite with the with the other group you know there was a risk it could have gone either way i mean mm -hmm. <laughs> um it was hard it was hard for everybody it was hard for me mm -hmm. uh, and i ended up really committing to like some self-care stuff during it mm -hmm. and like um attended to things that i probably should have attended to earlier in my life mm -hmm. um and established some routines that were healthy in part because you know right at the beginning of it i literally had very little to do uh like it's mm -hmm. so creating structure for my life you know right my apartment apartment's not too big um so creating some routines that establish some variety that kind of spilled over into even when i could start venturing outside um that those routines still felt really good to me um mm -hmm. And out of those routines and healthier habits, I think um, there was an increase in productivity for me. Um, mm -hmm. um, trying to keep that keep that going. Good, um, because I've, I've I've been talking to a few people about their writing and especially about their writing in the pandemic, and it seems like a lot of people are like they either they didn't like being alone with their own with their own mind or they were like yes i finally have time to finish the projects i've been trying to finish oh yeah i mean i probably enjoy being alone with my own mind more than i should <laughs> it's something i'm you know for a long time it was like wow i'm really proud of myself for how good i am at being alone but as mm -hmm. i've gotten older i've been like mm, there's you know, there's some flaws to this coping mechanism uh, <laughs> um, that I've been trying to balance the scales on. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I I enjoyed the opportunity to think more deeply about how I engage with the world uh, by <laughs> through extreme circumstance. And I really <laughs> wish that it didn't take extreme circumstance for me to have done some of that personal processing that had nothing to do with the larger world. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it was just something I could have done at any point in my life. Um, but I'm glad I did. 
<laughs> Good. Um, so what's coming up next for you on the horizon um, other than put publishing the third book? Yeah, well, so that's going to be a big piece of my, I don't know, routine coming up. I'm going to be mm -hmm. sending stuff out to folks, crossing my fingers, etc. Um, and then making, still making new short stories. Um, mm -hmm. And the other kind of like long-term project I've been pl plugging away at uh, for a while now, but I'm very excited about, um, is like a more, is a musical piece uh, that I've been working with a composer oh. on and we're doing the lyrics, the libretto for it. We don't really know what it's called. That's really awesome. It's been really exciting, especially because it's a different mode of writing for me. I have to be much more right. spare, you know, like all of the color mm -hmm. and um i don't know gesturing that you would do in a piece of prose to kind of mm -hmm. establish the mood the vibe you know i don't have to do any of that <laughs> um <laughs> i have to the the task is to be like very efficient and spare and clear about the uh, i don't know the the problems the um themes the uh evolution of the plot um mm -hmm. using as little language as possible which is great like i really enjoy that challenge and then right composer, he comes in and he just does pure magic like it's such so it's such a rewarding process for me to like mm -hmm. end this thing over have somebody else understand it and then do something that seems much more difficult to me which is like you know right. all this orchestrated music of many instruments singers and stuff to um, my brain does not work that way i do not understand how these amazing musicians make music like me neither. Just, I'm not wired like that. I have no idea. It feels like magic every time. Yeah. I went and visited some of their rehearsals, you know, see the string quartet, mm -hmm. kind of like working through the music. And just hearing them talk um, was like visiting another planet to me. <laughs> they speak with such confidence and familiarity with things that literally mm -hmm. just sounds totally alien to me. And I'm like, this is great. Immerse me in <laughs> How did you get started in this project? um will the composer his name is will aronson he's a great guy um he had done um the music for the book trailer for my first book which i've okay. used to do book trailers do people still do book trailers um so i had you know, i had a book trailer for my first collection uh -huh. made this great song for it um and then we kept saying you know we want to do something together he was often a first reader of a lot of my work mm -hmm. um and we thought there was something there, but it took probably a decade for us to arrive at like, that's the thing we want to work on. <laughs> okay. Now, when you say it's musical, are we talking like you're writing songs for an album or are you writing like songs for an acted drama? Um, what level of musical are we talking about? Yeah, um, it's, I think we both envision it as something that would be performed on, on a stage um, okay. and people would you know, sing at a captive audience. <laughs> um, okay. Um, not uh, an, an album, um, but the pieces are long. And so we're, we're kind of uncertain when or where <laughs> this mm -hmm. might actually um, come to life. So in the end, who knows, we might end up making it um, not a stage thing just because it, it actually does seem pretty difficult to put on. Okay. Uh, that sounds really awesome. And I wish you well on that. <laughs> Sure, even you. even that seems like totally out of my wheelhouse. I'm just like, I have no idea how you're going to do that. Well, me too. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, and before we head off today, uh, can you t tell the listeners where they can connect with you online, get your books, find you, etc.? 
Yeah. Um, I've got a website that, you know, links out to a lot of goodies. Um, mm -hmm. my name, I have been browsing it all morning. <laughs> uh, DolanMorgan.com. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, I'm on Twitter at Dolan Morgan. Luckily, I have a relatively uncommon name. So if you look up That is Dolan always Morgan, helpful when you're doing like Twitter or Instagram handles. Yeah. So that's nice. You should be able to find me with that. Um, and then, you know, the usual haunts for the books. You know, you can go to whatever your online supplier might be. Uh, should be able to get uh, both my books uh, through them. And otherwise, to, to connect with me, the streets of Greenpoint, Brooklyn. <laughs> you know, <laughs> walking around. Up. Well, thank you so much. It was a, lots of fun talking to you today. Likewise, Deb. Thank you so much for having me. Read and Write Podcast is edited and produced by Deborah Zebar. Music was provided by Lo-Fi Girl and can be found at lofigirl.com or on their YouTube channel. Audio effects were created by Red Octopus and Black River Phonogram. Show notes and previous episodes can be found at readandwritepodcast.com. Thank you.